0: i uh-huh. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Dime Dropper for another 2021 2022 post game recap. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast, Apple Podcasts. Leave a review if you'd like. Follow us on Spotify. And of course, to follow us on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod. So for tonight's episode, we are going to be talking about the Lakers and the Magic. The Lakers coming off their second win in a row. I did not go live for the win. Actually, it is their th- it is their second win in a row. Beating the Oklahoma City Thunder two nights ago and then the Orlando Magic tonight. Both games being played without Anthony Davis missing his second and third games of the season with knee soreness. And then I'll also be talking about some results from the Premier League this weekend, especially Chelsea against Leeds, a very, very sketchy game that came down to the last couple of minutes. And then I'll also be discussing the state of the Knicks because Knicks fans have been all over my Twitter timeline and it seems like some kind of crisis going on over there, especially with the way they talked before the season had begun and the expectations that they set for the team this year. And then I'll be taking the questions of the loyal subscribers waiting oh so patiently in the chat. A quiet night tonight. Usually we don't get our best business on Sundays. An easy Laker win. I don't know if there's too much to talk about. But we'll see if the people start rolling in. Of course, make sure to comment on the video. Make sure to give my last video a watch. The Reggie Jackson game winner vlog. It was the best game i had been to this season. Make sure you check it out. I got some really good uh. You know, videos in there. I got the game winner on video, obviously. Cole Anthony's game tying shot. So toss that video a like, make sure to comment, and turn the notification bell on, guys. If you guys are one of my subscribers and you have not turned the notification bell on, turn it on because that way you can see when I'm posting quicker and you can comment quicker so we can hopefully get back into the algorithm's favor because, man, I haven't had a 1,000 view video in a minute. But anyway, let's get to the game tonight. The Lakers and the Magic in their home whites. No Anthony Davis, as I said before, so you know what that means. Less mouths to feed. LeBron and Russ really just got to take their game in their own hands, you know, kind of take turns with the ball, and then go from there. First quarter, the Lakers in the beginning, first couple of minutes, got some nice stops, got out and ran. And, you know, when the Lakers can finally get stops because defense has been a big issue this season – then they can get out and get those transition buckets, especially when they don't have AD on the floor. They don't have to worry about two big men. Dwight can, you know, kind of lag behind if the rest of the guys can get out and run with LeBron, Westbrook. And then in tonight's case with the starting lineup, it was Avery Bradley and Taylor Horton Tucker. And... The Lakers were up 9-3. to Magic called timeout, responded better. You know, came off that, started making some shots. Wendell Carter Jr., right, a guy that has been really disappointing to start his career, you know, obviously was traded to the Magic in the Vucevic deal, and he has really improved his three ball. He was a very... Not great finisher on the rim. Showed me some low post game in the games that I watched in college. But in the NBA level, he just did not have that skill. And then defensively, he was just not very good along with Laurie Markkinen on that Bulls team that I watched last year for a couple of games. But he has really seemed to put in some work with his three ball. And tonight he showed that. He went two of six from three. But I don't even remember him missing four, honestly. Uh, I thought that he clearly has shown that he's put in some work in that department. He's shooting 35% from three this season, which I would assume is a career high. Oh, apparently last year he shot 36%. But he's shooting he only shot .7 attempts last year. This is the first year he's shooting more than one attempt for the season. He's actually shooting almost four on the year with 3.8. So that was something that the Lakers were getting caught off guard, especially with Dwight Howard out there because he didn't expect Wendell Carter to pop out and hit threes. And then a couple times LeBron was very lazy in the first half, he was underestimating Franz Wagner, who I've been pretty impressed by in these first uh, in these two games here in Los Angeles. He has a little bit, he's like, he reminds me of like a Danilo Gallinari when he was young, but with a worse jump shot, but better off the bounce. And I thought that a couple times LeBron underestimated his ability off the bounce. We saw that yesterday against my Clippers, a couple nice finishes around the basket. He's pretty good with those floaters and runners, you know, on the drive. And I thought that he caught him off guard, coming off screens a little bit. And various guys, he showed that touch around the basket using the glass well. And I thought the Lakers just, their offense, when they started staggering, because remember, there's always a period of time when LeBron and Russ will play together, and then they'll start staggering the lineup. And without Anthony Davis, that obviously is, you know, leaves you without that 25 points a game kind of guy. And so it's basically LeBron or Russ really handling the ball and kind of creating shots for everybody. THT, you expect him to create some shots here and there as well. But his confidence has not been too high, and he hasn't really been getting that many touches and opportunities to do such a thing. And when this, when the Lakers went to the stagger of you know LeBron's in with the rest, and then Russ is in with his lineup, I thought they were LeBron and Russ were playing very heliocentric a little bit in that second quarter, late first quarter. I thought there were some possessions that LeBron held onto the ball too long. And, you know, I I remember there was one possession in particular, actually, where he got a couple screens, didn't attack any of them, the shot clock went down to seven, he passed to Avery Bradley, who was not wide open, it was basically like, Avery, go do something. And that's not going to work. You know, you're throwing the ball to Avery Bradley with seven on the shot clock, he's not going to bail you out. And then Russ had some situations where he, you know, went to the basket and attacked well, and I thought he did a good job of actually scoring some of those in the first half, just driving and attacking. But I thought that it was very stagnant from the rest. I thought Austin Reeves, Malik Monk, just kind of were sitting and watching a lot of things when Russ and LeBron were in the game. And I know they're supposed to be always alert and ready for those catch-and-shoot moments, but you got to move around a little bit better without the basketball, I think. And as, a, as LeBron and Russ, I think, could have done a better job of moving that ball in those moments. And I think that the defense... You know, I think the offense was a bigger problem for the Lakers in the first half, even though he scored 31 points in the second quarter. But I thought that Cole Anthony in that second quarter, you know, that guy's a good player. You know, I think he's he's definitely got more of a scoring bag than his dad. I have to watch more tape on his dad to really know if he's for sure better. I know Greg Anthony says that Cole's better, and Cole clearly, you know, has a modern kind of style. You know, he's a smaller guard, but he has a great, nice crossover, nice handle, and uh, really good shooting off the dribble and can shoot from deep. You know, he's got great range, get confidence in his shot. And I thought that he was doing a good job coming off those screens. And the Lakers were doing a really poor job defending that high screen and roll. You heard Stu Lance talking about it in commentary. Lakers have struggled with pick and roll defense all season, which you don't know. I, know, I, I used to preface they struggle with pick and roll defense as a specific. But nowadays in today's NBA, it is all pick and roll defense. So that's just defense in today's NBA. If you struggle with pick and roll defense, you struggle with defense in today's NBA. And so the Lakers, that's obviously a department in which they've struggled defense, as I said in the beginning of the episode. And I thought a couple of times... They either underestimated Wendell Carter on those pick-and-pops, as I said, or when they started honoring that, they would let Cole Anthony just kind of waltz into a three with no-help defense. Dwight wouldn't step up, or the help wasn't there. And I thought that Cole Anthony was able to get those shots, and it wasn't too hard for him. I thought it was too easy for the Magic, and that's why they went to the half with the lead. I also thought that LeBron in the first half made some really cringeworthy plays. And let me clarify what I'm saying here. I understand he backed up his talk and he backed up the boasting and whatnot with the great third quarter performance that I'm going to get to in just a second. And, you know, clearly he won the game and that's all that matters. But when you're... You know, a great chase down block, you know. Obviously with him, it doesn't even impress me anymore because I am I know who LeBron is. As I said, I was one of his biggest fans. I know how athletic he still is. I still think he is at worst the fourth best player in the NBA right now behind Giannis, Steph, and Kevin Durant. Uh, I still will listen to an argument over him and Giannis just because that basketball IQ and that jump shot and the skill that LeBron has over Giannis. But Giannis's relentless nature on a nightly basis is what gives him the edge for me. And until I see LeBron bounce back from that poor playoffs he had last year when he wasn't really 100%, still no excuse for playing the way he did. And that's part of the reason why he played the way he did was because he doesn't want to risk further injury in that series against Phoenix when AD's not there. He's like, you know what, we're probably not going to win the championship if I don't got AD. He's going to save himself for, let me just get another season of playing at a high level, 25. You know, what did I talk about my preview with the Lake Show? Is LeBron going to sacrifice his 25-7-7? No, he's not going to. That's not what he wants to do. But it's also honestly not what I think he should do at this point because, you know, what's weird about this Laker team is when it comes to scoring, they don't have a guy like a Kyrie Irving or a Dwayne Wade that he can trust in the end of a game to kind of take it over. I think Russell Westbrook is too... I'd much rather have the ball in LeBron's hands late in the game. And, like, for example, Russell Westbrook is great, is is very solid at running your offense, but your offense is just better with LeBron running it. And Anthony Davis is the guy that hypothetically should be the one that takes over and takes the reins in scoring situations, but he lacks that aggression, so sometimes it takes a guy like a LeBron who is a GOAT and is one of the best players of all time to do that. So sometimes it's not even that LeBron is forcing that 25-7-7 line that he loves to get. Sometimes it's that these guys just aren't allowing him to change his game because it's like, you know what, right now, the LeBron they need is not one that needs to adjust. LeBron needs to play his game and maybe Russ needs to adjust even more because it's, it's just... They're not letting. If if hypothetically, if Anthony Davis seemed like he was ready to take that mantle, I'd say LeBron needs to sacrifice his stats right now. I, and first of all, I don't think LeBron would sacrifice his stats regardless. I think he this has always been in his plan. He wants to keep that twenty five five and five or twenty five seven and seven or whatnot. He wants to do that, and he makes sure of it. Like the other night, Lake Show was tweeting about it that he was playing when he didn't need to against the Thunder. Um, but you know, I, again, I don't put too much stock in his stats. The fact of the matter is, LeBron's still playing at a high level. I don't think he's in his prime prime anymore. But he, he kind of still is. Like, you know, it's not his peak, I should say. He started to decline, but he's still one of the best players in the league. You know what I'm saying? So, like, if you technically consider it a prime. Because, because technically, I would take this LeBron right now because he's been there, done that, and his skill is more refined than a 2011 bef- and before that had, like, the mental, hadn't overcome the mental aspects of the game. The mental is more important to me than the athletic, uh you know? So. Second half, though, is when you really saw LeBron take over the game. And I think he started to do it on the defensive end. I thought the rotations were a lot sharper for the Lakers on those high ball screens. I thought that everybody got involved in that, too. I thought THT did a good job of rotating. I thought Westbrook did a good job of rotating. And they were just, you know, when you can tell a team is just engaged and they're just active at every loose ball, they're talking, they're really trying to, like, just. There's, there's beating an opponent, there's cruising by an opponent, there's skinning by an opponent, and then there's, you know, taking it to an opponent. And you can see it in body language of players when you watch games. And the Lakers did that in the third quarter. And LeBron started that off with his setting the tone with some incredible blocks. You know, we want to talk about Miami era. He had some incredible blocks blocks oh by the way I don't know if I got to the point about the boasting the reason I was saying something about the boasting was when the Lakers were losing by seven points and LeBron's doing finger wags like Matumbo and then like he's just flexing in the crowd when they're down five against this terrible team it's like dude can you at least wait till you're winning the game to start doing that Like, I don't know. I know he backed it up, and he's so confident because he can totally dominate these young players in the Magic. Like, look, the Magic's players, some of them are younger than me. Imagine me, who's watched LeBron James since, like, the beginning of his career, looking up to him, playing against him now, when he's still moving like that on the court. Think about the mental wisdom experience advantage he still has. You know, a lot of people can have that, but do they still have the athleticism to act on that as a star? LeBron has that. So, it's like fools. Sometimes it's child's play with him sometimes, but... That's the only thing I had to say about that boasting. Laker fans, tell me what you think of that if you don't care, if you think it's a little much when you're losing. But in the third quarter, he could have boasted all you wanted playing the way he did. Two consecutive threes to start out the second half. One when they, uh, you know, gave him a little too much space coming off a screen. Mo Bamba was, was dropping a little too deep, even though he was honestly playing it pretty well. And then the second one, he got Mo Bamba switched on him he did that little sidestep to his left. As I said, loves bring it, LeBron likes bringing it from the left side of his body when he pulls up. Sidestep to the left for the three. Then... And James Worthy said this in commentary. What do I always say? When LeBron and Russ each have the ball, though, this could unlock their... This could make it a lot easier, guys. When they're in the half court, even when they're isolating, because a lot of them, LeBron and Russ... When LeBron has wanted to isolate this season, I think he's done a pretty good job of splitting his perimeter ISOs with the mid-post ISOs. If he can continue to do that, it's going to be a lot better for his game because that turnover over the right shoulder is really, really solid now for LeBron. He's had that for the last four or five years now. And again, I say it all the time. If he had that earlier in his career, Ron Artest was saying it tonight in commentary, If he and, and, uh, in the studio. If he had that jump shot over the easy, earliest part of his career, we'd be talking about a whole different co- career arc. But... Regardless, he has that now. He needs to keep going to it. He didn't go to it against the Suns. And no one talked about this. No one, except for me. You know, we didn't talk about the post. Oh, everybody was saying he's too injured to fight for post position. Come on, man. Anyway, uh, he went to that. He I, and the, the reason why I said the James Worthy thing was when this will unlock the Lakers right here in the half court, if... And I guess this is probably easier to do without Anthony Davis in ways. But when Russ and LeBron are in those mid-post areas, when LeBron and Russ are cutting to the basket, it is so much harder to guard because when you're just standing at the three-point line, first of all, the defense will not care if Russell Westbrook is standing at the three-point line. They will sag off and get ready to double LeBron and just make sure he has more to look at, more to worry about, you know, sagging off and loading up. Russ, on the other hand, LeBron has been a little bit better at catch-and-shoot threes this season. But the defense still isn't too worried. When LeBron cuts middle, you have to account for him. He's too big and too strong and too explosive going to the rim. That way, that gives Russ more attention when you're worried about somebody off the ball. And that's one thing that you saw with LeBron today, one of my favorite plays of the game. And it's not going to show up in the stat sheet when they were making that run after LeBron made a nice cut middle Took the bump from Cole Anthony and banked it in for an and-one. He came down the next play, full sprinted on a fast break. THT had the ball on the left baseline. He faked like he was going to throw the lob. A Magic player was, I think, looked like he was ready to intercept the lob. I don't think he would have, honestly. I think if THT had thrown the pass, LeBron would have caught it and and threw it down. But THT in the air kicked it out to an open, I believe it was Avery Bradley for a corner three in, in the right corner. And that was all created because they had to account for LeBron James sprinting to the basket. That's off-ball movement causing assists. That is something that it's all about effort, and that's why we get on LeBron. And he is 37. He shouldn't have to be relied on that much. But hypothetically, when Anthony Davis plays... If he can sacrifice some of that on-ball duty and play a little bit more of that off-ball, it will get the ball moving a lot better, and it will just be a lot harder to guard. That's why it's so much harder to guard the Warriors than other teams in this era, because they're one of the few teams that embraces movement without the ball. And when you have people that move without the ball, that have skill, like star players, like the Celtics in the 80s, that's why they were so lethal in half-court offense, because they had guys that move without the ball, and like... Imagine you get Mikhail the ball, 10-8 from the basket. You can throw your two defenders on him. He's 6'10". He's just going to throw it up. You know what I'm saying? Same with Parrish. Same with Bird. If they get the ball underneath the basket because they're moving and you're doing baseline cuts for them, same with Worthy. Those Same thing with all those guys. You have to move without the ball, and that takes some effort, and that takes ball movement. So LeBron really set that tone, and those blocks were straight out of the Miami days. And the Lakers, again, the opposite of what I said. They they didn't look engaged uh, in that fourth quarter. They let the Magic kind of get a little hint. And then, you know, LeBron and various other guys made some plays to shut the door. Carmelo Anthony was staple center. mellow again tonight. I thought he was the only bench player in the Lakers that really gave a solid impact. I thought DeAndre Jordan actually wasn't too bad either. He had three blocks. Um, But Melo had 13 points off the bench, 4 of 9 from the field, and 3 of 5 from 3. Malik Monk and Austin Reeves combined for 2 of 8 from the field, so they could have shot a little bit better. But I think that they'll have good games as the season continues, especially Reeves. Uh, I thought they could have gotten him involved a little bit more tonight. THT having a good game, though, shooting the ball was big for the Lakers tonight, especially without AD. 19 points for him, 6 steals. That has to be a career high. And that, becomes, that comes from what I was saying. When the Lakers locked in in that third quarter defensively, his rotations were a lot sharper coming from those wings and corners. 7 of 14 from the field for THT. 3 of 6 from 3. Avery Bradley, he was okay. I thought he had some good defensive possessions at times. Uh, some open threes missed. He was 2 of 5 from 3, so 40%. I guess you'll take that for sure. 2 of 7 from the field, 6 points. And then Russell Westbrook. You know, the stat line is kind of pedestrian because it was really the LeBron show tonight. 19 points, 7 boards, 5 assists, 2 steals, and 5 turnovers. A real good sacrifice job by Westbrook tonight. He really let LeBron kind of control this game. And it worked out for the better. And... I think Westbrook is willing to sacrifice. He's not averaging that triple double, and that's what Lake Show and I talked about. That he's not going to have to average that triple double in the preview, and he's not. Um, LeBron is doing the LeBron thing, and we expected that. And honestly, that may be what's best for the team. What's really best for the team is for AD to just put on his big boy pants when he comes back and just really dominate. But that's we we know. It seems like we know who AD is, and it's gonna. Th- it it seems like it's gonna have to be LeBron late in games that really gets him out of certain situations, and I we'll see how that goes. I think that. It's all about LeBron's jumper, though, when that's the case and against good defenses, not the magic. But we're too far away to talk about playoffs right now. It's Right now it's about the Lakers building good habits and two games in a row is a start. you know. And despite the way that they've been playing and despite all the bullshit that's happened and the injuries and whatnot, the West being a little bit weaker helps because right now the Lakers are like a half game behind my Clippers. And you know, all things considered, and this is me trying to be as unbiased as possible, as the season progresses, the Lakers should create separation over my Clippers. You just have better players. Like, simple as simple as that. Your best player is better than ours. You have multiple stars. We have one. And he's injured right now. And who knows how long he could be injured with his knee with his elbow injury. And Paul George could be out again tomorrow against Phoenix. I think he's gonna be out tomorrow against Phoenix, and that's gonna be a tough game. And I will be live for that. I should be live for that because I'm not gonna be going so. Make sure you check out my last video, though, if you want to see me at a live game, that game winner. LeBron James, 30 points tonight. He gets the player of the game, no doubt about it. 11 rebounds, 10 assists, 6 turnovers, but I thought some were okay. Good risks taken. Three blocks that were incredible. 12 of 20 from the field, 60% shooting. 3 of 7 from 3. The three ball was falling for him. Just everything was going, and he played fantastic. Lakers win it, 50, uh, 106-94. ninety four. Fifteen and thirteen is what they move on to. Uh, I also want to talk about the state of the Knicks before I go to the Premier League, really briefly, and then we'll go to the live comments. So it should be ending at around twenty four. The New York Knicks have lost uh, fourteen of their last twenty one games. Started the season five and one, uh, and there's been a lot of talk this season and going around that you know the Knicks are in trouble. Look, I had the Knicks finishing sixth in my preseason preview. I did not have them, if you had to ask me, making it out of the first round because of one major thing, and I think a lot of Knicks fans know what it is. Julius Randle is a very solid player. He was a star last year, but he's not the best player on a team, definitely not to win the championship, and I don't even think he's good enough to get you out of the first round as your best player. And that is not me being harsh. It's not easy to lead a team in the NBA past the, any playoff series as the best player. That is not easy to do. Chris Bosh never did it. Pal Gasol never did it. Russell Westbrook never did it. And Tracy McGrady never did it. So it's not even that big a deal. That's that it's It takes a very special player to even get out of the first round as the best player. It is not that easy to do. I'm going to repeat that. It's not that easy. Julius Randle has a couple of issues. Uh, last season, he shot the ball extremely well uh, from like the mid-range area in three. This season, that's not happening. And I think there's multiple reasons. One, everyone saw the Atlanta series and knows that if you load up on Julius, he has a couple of issues. One, he posts up too high. We've been talking about this for two years. Two, he is a little bit out of control still. Three, he has no right hand when it comes to finishing. Four, He's not great passing out of double teams. And five, his confidence is shaky right now because everybody knows that Julius Randle is the source of this Knicks offense because there's no point guard, and Kemba Walker has not gone as expected. So Derek Rose has basically been the most reliable player with the ball in his hands on the perimeter. They talk about who's going to take the next step. R.J. Barrett needs to take that next step. Well, right now, it seems like they're running very Julius Randle-centric, and RJ's not getting the touches that he needs. You know, it's it's very weird. that Also, they made their calling card on defense last year. That's where they made their identity. This year, they cannot defend, apparently. And bringing in Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier, who started out the season very, very solid the first couple games, and now is a huge reason why they're playing poorly. He hasn't been able to play well on either end of the floor, Fournier. And now Kemba Walker, as great of a guy as he is, sad to see, He is, you know, not in the rotation. Julius Randle went from averaging 24 and 10. He's averaging 19 and a half and 10. He was shooting 45% last year, shooting 43% this year. Shooting 41% from three last year, shooting 33% from three this year. And look, it's gotten to him. They're double teaming him a lot. They have, the fans are back. This is New York. This is the last season Knicks were catching guys by surprise. This season, Everyone knows that the Knicks fans have expectations. Everybody saw the Garden rocking last year in the playoffs. They know how excited these Knicks fans are. They want to... Now, it's not... You know, when you go to Madison Square Garden as a road player... You know, i am never played in the NBA, but I've heard players talk about this enough to know, and I know because I've been there. If you're a road player and you're going to Madison Square Garden, you want to show out. That's a cathedral of basketball. When there's no fans, though, it's not as big a deal. This season, you're getting every team's shot... Because it's Madison Square Garden and you're a solid team. And they know that. And they want to play well in front of these New York fans. And the pressure is mounting, you know, to lead this Knicks team, this city. You know, Julius Randle has a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure for a player that, quite frankly, is not. The guy that I don't, I don't want to say who Knicks fans think he is. I think a lot of Knicks fans know who he is. But it's not the guy to, to shoulder this burden. He's just not good enough to shoulder this burden. And that is not me trying to be harsh on Julius Randle. That is just, it, this is the NBA, man. These are extremely the top, top-notch of the top-notch players that we're talking about here in this world. And I just think that there's some big problems. And it starts with Julius, and he can go all the way around. Um, but yeah, Premier League. You know, it's a three-horse race. Man City, Liverpool, and Chelsea. Uh, Man City, very, very lucky result. And you know one thing I'll say about City is, uh, shout out, by the way, two players I want to shout out from this, from City. Joao Cancelo at left back. He's been really killing it this season. You know, we saw, you know, originally when Guardiola uh, wanted to get the team right in 2017-18, we saw uh, Benjamin Mendy, who was originally the choice. We're not going to talk too much about him for obvious reasons. But... When he got injured, they went to Fabian Delph, who did the job for that 2018 title. 2019, Zinchenko a lot of it. And we saw Zinchenko a lot for 2021 as well. You know, this season, Joao Cancelo has stepped into that left-back role, and he's done a really good job. I think Bernardo Silva's been in really good form as well. But Man City, you know, it's something with them... Their games have been kind of like, to me, a little bit boring sometimes because I think everyone kind of knows what they do. And they're going to dominate the ball like the old Barcelona teams did with Guardiola. And you're going to have to just sit back and hope for a counterattack. And I thought their their game against Wolves this weekend was, was whatever. I thought the Wolves did a really good job defending. And then Raul Jimenez got the red card and the whole game changed. And City came up with the penalty and won 1-0. Raheem Sterling got on the score sheet. But, you know, they just got the points. And they haven't lost since the opening game against Spurs. Liverpool, similar situation. Aston Villa did a good job defending, but in the second half, Liverpool could have had three or four. They ended up getting a penalty. Mohamed Salah, a little uncharacteristic in front of goal in some situations in this game. Could have made it three or four goals, but Liverpool are continuing to play great. Steven Gerrard came back and, you know, as a manager of Aston Villa, it's still humorous seeing uh, Steven Gerrard, you know, just manage a team and be at Anfield as as an opposing coach. And then Chelsea. Oh, man, what a game this weekend against Leeds. Needed to win. Obviously, coming up that loss against West Ham last week. Uh, Lukaku on the bench again. I really want to see him back in the starting 11. We really miss him. But, you know, Marcos Alonso starting the game, giving out a really silly penalty. Another, you know, we've been... The best part about our team was that we are not conceding any goals. And then the last couple of weeks, we've been conceding a lot of goals. Three in the midweek to Zenit in the Champions League. And then three last week to West Ham. Uh, Marcos Alonso, silly penalty given away. We went down. Great response, though. And you can argue Marcos Alonso made up for that error with a great... Grounded ball into Mason Mount, who he hit it first time with his left foot. Beautiful finish by Mace. That's three goals in two games for him in the league. And I really like to see that because I'm hoping Mason Mount can really mount his place in that starting 11. Because one thing we lack is consistent creativity from those wings. We give Ziyech a shout. We give Pulisic, hudson Adoy. We rotate. But it would be nice for somebody if we want to say, put out your best 11. We know who we're going with. And Mason Mount is starting to... Getting to that is starting to solidify that his name on that because not only, obviously, we know the game-winning assist to win the Champions League last year, but his work rate is just so high. And sometimes he can be not the best in terms of creativity, but when he's finishing like that, I mean, you got to start him. 1-1, you know, got a penalty. I thought a little bit generously given, and we weren't even playing that well. We didn't even create that many chances this game. But I thought Ruben Loftus-Cheek, you know, it's been really fun watching him get his consistent starts recently and just drive forward with the ball with N'Golo Kante out. You know, Kante, I'm starting to just accept the fact that as great as he is over the last couple of years, ever since that, you know, first season 2016-17 where he helped win us the league, he is pretty injury-prone. I and mean, you can't rely on him to be fit for 30 games. And Ruben Loftus-Cheek has done a good job stepping in and he's just the way he drives forward. He doesn't give us the most creativity passing-wise, but he really drives forward and does a really good job of that. And that's something we don't have. And... You know, to go we went up 2-1 penalty, you know, Jorginho does his thing. Great goal by Leeds, though. And one thing I really like about Leeds is they don't sit back like they're a, like a bad team. They try to come at you like they're like a team on your level. And they press and everything. And you know, Coach Marcelo Bielza, the manager, does a good job with them. And that was a really impressive tying goal. And then Chelsea got a little lucky to really silly tackle with Antonio Rudiger with his back to goal and giving up a second penalty, gifted us the three points. We'll take it. But it was not pretty. We got to be better than that. And I really want to see Lukaku get back into the starting 11 to get some confidence back because we signed him and he started out the season flying when we were flying to start the season. Getting the best Lukaku will be getting the best Chelsea. So even though we're still a couple points behind, I'm not worried. It's going to be an incredible race. Thanks for joining me, guys. Let me know what you think. Make sure to leave comments on every single one of my videos. Turn the notification bell on. Leave a review if you're on the podcast version of this thing. And make sure, yeah, watch my videos as soon as you can. Let's get back in the algorithm favor. Tell your friends about it. And I'll see you tomorrow night after Suns and Clippers. Peace. And now we go to the live subscribers, 20 plus, wait, no, so patiently in the chat. Super chat's turned on if you want to drop a dollar or a dime for your boy. Peace.